Welcome back to The Wine Show. You're with Jill Upton. And next up, we have Brian McGuigan, an industry luminary from the Hunter Valley. Do we have Brian on the phone? Hello, Jill. It's lovely to speak to you this morning. Oh, Brian, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. How are you doing today? <laughs> oh, very well, thank you. I went to an 80th uh, fr friend's party last night, but I'm feeling pretty good this morning. <laughs> good for you. Uh, so was that in the Hunter Valley? Yes, yes, it was. And um, he, he was 80 and he's been a lifelong friend. So a wonderful occasion, uh, Jill. And it's great to speak to the people of Victoria this morning and the people of southern New South Wales. I understand there are quite a few New South Welshmen now listening to you. Uh, yes, there are indeed. So uh, when I when I started... Uh when I started on the show back in April last year, um, I think it was it was very much uh, targeted for uh, South Australia and Victoria, and I'm definitely bringing New South Wales and Queensland as well, Brian, because I am Gold Coast based. So oh, we're, we're well. spreading the love throughout Australia. <laughs> well, you're known around Australia anyway, so keep up the great work and uh, keep talking up Australian wine, please. I will do, and and, and ditto. Uh, keep up the good work. Um, you've got a couple <laughs> of different stories for us, and because you're wearing a, a slightly different hat, still related. Um, so you're you're now working with the Australian Horticulture Management, and I, I'd love you to tell us a bit about that. But can we first just touch on Brian McGuigan wines themselves? I mean, you are you're such an industry luminary, and um, you know I I have interviewed a lot of people over the last few months who have worked under you, um, under your tutelage. And, and just speak so highly of you. And, of course, everybody knows the, the name McGuigan Wines, one of Australia's yes, largest yes. And, and most well-known. So can you give us out your story of, um, of how you got into wine and, um, and, and how you got to where you are today? Oh, that is a big question. <laughs> uh, but, Jill, um, I sort of fell into the wine industry because my father was also a winemaker and he was a winemaker for Penfolds Wines. And uh, so it was the trend back in those years, and I'm talking about the 50s and 60s, uh, for a son to follow their father into the industry. And so I did that, and uh, I worked uh, for quite some time under uh, Max Hubert and my dad and Don Ditter, uh, and uh, I learnt uh, my trade from them and uh, from Penfiles Wines generally. Uh, Penfolds was a great training school uh, for winemaking because they had such a range of wines and uh, and they had uh, vineyards and operations right across the Australian wine industry. And so uh, I worked for them for a decade and then uh, in 1970 we started off our own wine company called Windham Estate and uh, that grew and grew and grew and was very successful and spawned other brands such as Richmond Grove, which was a great success, uh, Jill, in Melbourne, I might tell you. And uh, so that grew and grew. And then um, uh, Orlando came along and um, uh, wanted to buy our company. We were public listed. And uh, then it was a bit antagonistic. But eventually they got hold of the company because I had a partner who was vulnerable at the time. And so we lost the company in 1990. And then in 1992, we started off 
our new company, McGuigan Wines, and uh, that's where I spent the rest of my career building that up. And um, I retired from that in 2006. And so since then, I have been doing a little consultancy through AHM, Australian Horticultural Management, and uh, doing various projects and helping various people uh, in uh, viticulture in particular. And um, so uh, I'm uh, now um, sort of phasing that down quite quite a bit because um, getting on a little bit in years, you don't want quite as much to do. And so I'm having a wonderful time with my farms. I've got cattle and, uh, uh, and I've had them in uh, Queensland and also in New South Wales. And uh, so I'm um, assisting wherever I can to assist the industry. That is a fantastic one uh, and has been so successful uh, for all of us in it and uh, for Australia generally. Oh, look, Brian, you're an absolute standout and I have to say, for some of you, you love the wine industry, but what a great businessman. So you established uh, McGuigan Wines in, what, 91. You retired about 15 years later. You mentioned, what, 2006. But I have been told that in that 15 years, you actually sold over 10 million cases of wine. Oh, a lot lot more than that. We were selling that much a year, uh, Jill. Um, we, uh, we we were selling huge amounts of wine, particularly uh, in the second phase. McGuigan Wines was pretty much designed for export because my mm. wife had been very successful in exporting wine, and uh, we were exporting at least ten million a year. And uh, in fact, uh, uh, a, a friend asked me the other day, "How many cases of wine did you sell in your career?" And I've added it up and find that it's over 200 million cases of wine uh, since I started back in the 70s. My goodness, that is insane. So it's such it's quite a different jump, what you've done. Why did you uh, completely move away from, from winemaking? And as you say, when you're getting older, you do want to change. But um, you didn't think about just you know, more consulting sort of uh, work? Yes. Well, th- th- that's interesting. But... Um, I, I have always found um, uh, I'm an operational person, really, and a marketing person. And I've found, uh, Jill, over the years that you've got to be all in. You can't be half in. And um, you've got to be fully committed to whatever you're doing. And unless you can get into the operation and, uh, and run it properly, run it constructively and successfully, then you're better off out of it because you don't want to be having hassles with other people unless you're in control. Oh, look, absolutely. And when you look at look at your career and the people that you have worked for, um, not even just mentioning the people who've worked for you now, I mean, you, you worked for Max Schubert and he's like the, the father of Grange. Um, I guess yes. that comes through the fact that your father worked for Penfold. I mean, that's that's pretty extraordinary. What, what was it like working for him? Oh, he was a fantastic gentleman. Uh, he was, I still dream about some of the things that, we did together and uh, he was and as Don Ditter was as well uh, fantastic people um, that th- they really had the wine gene in their system 
And, yep. uh, oh, they were fantastic people. It, the industry spawns these people for some reason. You know, wonderful people, people who um, consider the rest of the people beside them and in the industry, uh, as well as the technology. The technology is one side. Marketing is a very important point, of course, of absolutely, because there's no sense making the greatest wine uh, on earth if you don't go out and sell it uh, correctly. Well, you know, Penfolds did some marvellous jobs, as all the big companies did. Gosh, it's uh, been a fantastic industry and we should be very proud of it. I'm proud of it, and uh, I think that the industry, Jill, spawns people with a lot of imagination because the industry is a cyclic one, and it's it's a good one because it's every year is a new year. Every year you've got to worry about the grapes and pick the grapes, get the grapes correct, and then pick those grapes, and then you've got the chemical process. So you've got agriculture and then a chemical process in the winemaking, then the maturity of that wine, then the bottling and packaging and sale of that wine, as well as the administration over the top. So every year is a new experience, and that means that every day you are doing something different because that year is going through the whole agricultural cycle. And um, so every year is a new experience, and um, gives you the opportunity of starting again once the wine so, is bottled and sold. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You make it sound like a lot of work, but of course it is, and it's it's always worth it when you drink those beautiful wines at the end of the day. Now let's yes. let's talk about your wines. So my my absolute favourite of yours. I mean, I I like most Australians have drunk a lot of Brian McGuigan's wines over the years, but your Semillon. And I believe it was a vintage 2012 that took away the best white wine in the world at um at a, at the at the French International Wine Awards, and it was absolutely <coughs> sensational. I, I went to the cellar door and I bought a bottle, and I think it was about sixty five dollars cellar door, and this was about ten years ago. And right. uh, at the time, for me, that was a lot of money to spend on one bottle of wine at a cellar door. And I was like, I just have to get this. And I knew that there was, you know, limited stock, et cetera. Can you tell us a bit about your semions and why, they, why they're why they so good and to the point that they get that, you know, international recognition from some of the toughest uh, wine critics? <laughs> yes. Well, <clears throat> you know that the hunter is pretty famous or very famous for its uh, semillon and also for a Shiraz. But yes. the extraordinary wine that we make in the Hunter, and it's not just us, it is um, it's the whole industry, uh, uh, is this um, uh, wonderful variety called Semillon. And um, uh, if, because of the climatic conditions, um, we, we turn out something that's different in the Hunter uh, to the rest of Australia. And um, so that's our point of difference, as it is with our Shiraz. Our Shiraz is quite different to those grown in South Australia and in Victoria. And um, uh, we have been very successful with that variety, as have a number of people uh, currently and before us. 
You've only got to think about um, the great uh, Carl Stockhausen. And by the way, we lost Carl, you know, last week. And um, oh, he no, I did not know that. I'm you very, didn't. I actually didn't. He must have. How old was he? He was 94. Yes, I thought. Yes, okay. He was 87 when I met him. So, right. wow, that's pretty good innings. But look, I think that that's a uh, thank you for mentioning that. I think now's a very good time just to um, let's give some kudos to that incredible man, Carl Stockhausen. Yes, well, <clears throat> he should be saluted because he made some of the best wine ever made in this country. And he Absolutely. came here from Germany uh, post World War Two and came as a labourer into the vineyards at Benin, and uh, he made the first Benin Moselle, uh, Jill. And uh, <laughs> I, I think it was a mistake. I think it was a stuck fermentation. Oh, dear. Yes. So um, uh, back to um, the, the Hunter and uh, Savalon, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, we were fortunate to win those international accolades. We won, uh, you know, or my brother won uh, in four consecutive years, uh, won uh, uh, world's best winemaker. So we were, no other Australian has done that so far. I'm sure someone else will do it in due course. But I think that uh, some of our success there in the international wine shows and we focused very much on international wine shows, Jill, because we were selling our wines internationally and therefore wine shows in Australia don't have the same as same impact on consumers and wholesalers as does um, the London the wine show, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I'd, I'm not sure if you still hold the world record, but you certainly, actually, you probably do, a world record four times of being International Winemaker of the Year. That's um, that's extremely exciting. Yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone's outgunned us at, at that uh, yet, uh, but it was four consecutive years too, Jill, and that success was really based on the success of our Semillon uh, wines uh, because people see them as being so different and um, so extraordinary because of their style. And uh, so that was great success. And that helped us immeasurably develop our sales because it's very nice when you go into a wholesaler or a distributor and be able to say, hey, here's our credentials, uh, we, we've won the uh, uh, winemaker of the year again this year. And so that um, that uh, reinforces people's uh, opinion of your product and uh, they will therefore give, up, give that uh, product more support than otherwise they might have done. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I, I love the way you approach it. You definitely approach it from a very business strategic perspective. Uh, uh, perspective and uh, i guess that is it because if you're not marketing the wine there's no point in having amazing wine if you're not marketing it properly so no if you're not if you're not marketing it properly either you cannot maximize the price that you get for it and after all um penfolds have done that as have so many other companies hardy's and all the companies have done a fantastic job uh, of marketing our Australian wines and marketing them in harmony with one another. 
Uh, and that's been one of my prides that the industry is so closely knit and uh, so close to one another and uh, uh, supports one another and helps one another, uh, particularly in the international phase. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, um, I, I love I love your semion. I don't think I've ever had a Riesling of yours. I, I know Riesling's not a huge varietal in the Hunter Valley, but given no. that it's International Riesling Day today, is there a, a particular Riesling that is a favourite of yours? Yes, well, oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, I, I love Riesling. I think it's a just just a fantastic product. You know, yeah, <clears throat> there have been so many outstanding ones over the years. You might remember the Orlando ones and the Lindemans ones and the so many, all, all those that came out of Clare. Um, they're, they're extraordinary and uh, it's an extraordinary style. And uh, I'm, I'm a, as an old-timer, I'm very much a supportive of the earlier ones where they had uh, great character. And they used to, we used to talk about uh, Ryan Riesling as having the uh, Caro smell about it. Yes. And yep. I just love that character, don't you, Jill? Me too. I love the smell of kerosene. It's actually yeah. bizarre, but I really love it in a Riesling. It's just gorgeous. Why is yes, that, Brian? Yes. Oh well, it's uh, it's it's part of the, the the variety itself. It's part of the flavours in the, the the juice and uh, and those uh, uh, characters that come out of uh, out of that beautiful juice. Uh, Ryan Riesling is a very small berry, and in normal times a very small bunch, and it has to be some characters that are derived, uh, of course, in the first place uh, from the soils, but uh, through the process of the fruit maturing, they uh, manifest themselves then yeah, into the fermentation tank and also into the bottle. But uh, it's one of those wines that you've got, to, one of those varieties that you've got to handle very deftly, otherwise uh, you won't bring up those characters and uh, make it as delicate as this variety can be. I love Ryan yep. Riesling too, and um, I, I, I wish it had come back, but it went through a cycle, and, uh, you know, Jill, we are in the fashion industry, really, and uh, <laughs> varieties come and varieties go. It's all trends, isn't it, Brian? It's all trends. But who knows? Maybe there will be a comeback. Gee, I hope so. I really hope so because... It's a fantastic variety. But look, um, I think it probably has to come back in a different style this time. Ryan yep. Riesling, of course, was used as a carrier for residual sugar. And mm. um, you might remember that that's why it went out of vogue because those people who were supporting it um, got uh, a bit uh, uh, upset over a period of time uh, because of the sugar in it and uh, the the residual flavour in it, and therefore uh, it went out of vogue, and that's why Chardonnay came into vogue after uh, Wolf Blass uh, made so much beautiful Ryan Riesling. Uh, but then he had residual sugar in it, and whilst that appealed to a lot of people, 
After a while, the trendsetters then said, we've had enough of this sugar, we're going on to Chardonnay. That's it. So as you said, it's all, it's, it's all uh, you know, it's all trends, it's all fashion. So, But I'm sure you, you know the right person to talk to if, if you wanted to bring it back. But Brian, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. Again, I've wanted to be able to get you on the show and I'd love to talk more and more about your semi-on and, you know, we didn't even get to touch on things like um, <laughs> all your different ranges. But really, I just wanted to hear your stories and, uh, and it's been fabulous. So you get back to a fantastic day in the Hunter Valley and... Um, Enjoy a beautiful bottle of Riesling, Riesling to celebrate this great day. <laughs> Jill, thank you very much. I really thank you for the opportunity uh, because uh, it's uh, good, I think, to um, make sure that young people have the opportunity of understanding that uh, whatever they do to uh, make really good wine and go about selling it in a constructive way, but to make sure that we answer the call of the public don't try and dictate to the public because the public know what they want they can be led and they can be helped uh, but in truth we've got to give people uh, what those people want not what we the winemakers think they should have that's exactly right brian and you've, you've done that extraordinarily well so look thank you so much for your time uh Good luck with everything with uh, in the horticultural area, and I look forward to um, getting you back on the show so you can give us an update on it. I would be delighted, Jill. Delighted any time. Thank you, Brian. I will be in touch. You take care and have yourself a great Sunday. Bye, Bye. Jill. Bye. Oh, the great Brian McGuigan. What a character. He's fabulous.